Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Clips and Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond. Listen to us on incredible radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands. Heard around the world on the iHeartRadio application. Download today. It is free. Our website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com, as well. Available for you on Twitter, at Clemson Sports. Come join the 23, nearly 24,000 other followers. And always, uh, always engage with us when you get a chance. And we'll try to get those on the air here on the show that shakes the Southland. 803-450-0086. That is your phone line. That is your text line. Clemson basketball over the weekend. Yeah, not great, not great, but they had a tough stretch. There's no questioning that fact. A tough stretch of games with North Carolina, Duke, uh, and then the penultimate game in the three-game series, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming into Little John and really dominating the Tigers. P.J. Hall continued his tear, 19 points and nine rebounds uh, as Clemson comes up short against Mike Bray's Fighting Irish, 76-61. The final score, Clemson now 12-13 overall, 4-10 in the ACC. We'll hear from Brad Brownell coming up in just a little bit on the show that shakes the Southland. Also, last night, the Super Bowl. Your reaction to that? 23-20, the final score. The NFL playoffs were absolutely stupendous this year. And the Super Bowl, even better than expected. Of course, I, I said on Friday, I thought it would be tough for the Bengals to win this game. Uh, I, I did not see them coming away with a victory. But then watching the game unfold, kudos to T. Higgins, who had two touchdowns. I, I could make the argument that maybe T. Higgins, and we'll talk about his stat line here in a minute, but maybe T. Higgins could have been named the MVP had the Cincinnati Bengals held on. It was a game that did not have a ton of uh, a, a ton of penalties called until the final few plays of the game-winning drive for 
the Los Angeles Rams, most notably a big like like the final. I think what like I can't even keep up with whether it was two or three or four penalties. There was one offsetting deal, but the first penalty is the one that I wasn't certain should have been a penalty, and that took place on what was, I believe, a third and eight with like a minute and 47 seconds left in the ball game. Just pulling it up here, Matt Stafford had an incomplete pass to uh, Cooper Cup, and on the play, uh, Cincinnati's Wilson was called for defensive holding. I got to tell you, it was not the most egregious holding I had ever seen. And that play would have made it fourth and eight for the Los Angeles Rams. And then it was that play. And then uh, you had a touchdown that was nullified. There was an unnecessary roughness, an offsetting penalty with a holding call. And then I think there was another pass interference. And, and then, so yeah, so what was that? One, two, three, like four penalties on the final few plays of a 15-play Game-winning drive for the Los Angeles Rams. They went 76 yards when they had to. And they come away with a 23-20 victory. Their second Super Bowl title ever. Their first Super Bowl title as the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, their last title came as the St. Louis Rams. Cincinnati still never has won a Super Bowl. They are now 0-3. And I made the comment earlier, and, and I'll hold fast. Given the fact that Joe Mixon threw a six-yard touchdown to T. Higgins, I thought that there was a legitimate chance that T. Higgins, with four receptions for 100 yards and two touchdowns, had a chance to come away with the MVP had the Cincinnati Bengals won that ballgame. Now, Joe Burrow was 22 of 33 for 263 yards with one touchdown. But maybe, just maybe, T. Higgins may have uh, had a, a good case for it at least. And uh, we certainly retweeted, uh, you know, we tweeted out when he scored, but retweeted the 75-yard touchdown that he had against Jalen Ramsey. A little controversy about whether or not he got Ramsey in the face mask. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's controversy whether he did or didn't, but there was controversy about the fact the referees missed that call. And then ultimately Cincinnati did, even after, the Rams scored uh, their go-ahead touchdown at the end. Cincinnati had an opportunity, moved the ball out towards midfield, uh, and then on a key third and one, Samaje Pirine, the former Oklahoma Sooner running back, gets stuffed by Aaron Donald. Actually, not even really stuffed as much as pulled back as he was getting ready to pick up the first down. That left the Bengals facing a fourth and one at the Los Angeles Rams 49-yard line. And uh, Joe Burrow found himself in the grasp of Aaron Donald and nearly completed a pass to Samaje Piran, but that was the final play that the Bengals would get. The Rams would take a knee. The Bengals would not call their final timeout. And that gave us the 23-20 conclusion. And again, I mentioned a spectacular playoff. You had the Los Angeles Rams in the divisional round beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by three, 30 to 27. You had San Francisco beat Green Bay by three, 13 to 10. You had Kansas City beat Buffalo by six, 42 to 36. You had Cincinnati beat the Tennessee Titans by three, 
Then you move on to the conference championship games. The Rams beat the 49ers by three. The Bengals beat the Chiefs by three. And then in the Super Bowl, the Rams beat the Bengals by three. So outside of the wild card weekend, again, the Super Bowl, a three-point game. The two conference championship games were a three-point game. Three of the four divisional playoffs were three-point games. And the other game was a six-point matchup. You couldn't ask. You couldn't ask for a better playoff situation than what we got. I mean, it was tremendous. And think about the fact that those divisional round games were back on January 22nd and 23rd. Since those games came to a conclusion, you've had every game finish with a margin of less than a touchdown And six out of the seven games were three-point contests. And it's weird because, like, the Rams, (laughs) you know, they should have won that game by four, but they had a botched snap or botched hold on their second touchdown of the game, which almost came back to bite them. I mean, it really came close to being the difference because when that penalty was thrown on third and eight, I mean, when you go back to that, like, had they made their – had they made that extra point earlier in the game, and that penalty's not called, well, you tie the game up. You know, you would be kicking a field goal to tie the game up. Instead, the penalty's called, of course, and instead they're down by four instead of three. So, uh, nonetheless, they got the first down, they go in and score the touchdown. But that point almost came back to haunt. The Los, Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams. But again, kudos to them coming away. Sean McVay, they were there a couple of years ago. They came up short. Uh, great performance by T. Higgins. I mean, if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, DJ Reader had a sack in the ball game. I know you still have to be excited for Tremaine Ankrum. Um, obviously, Jackson Carmen, the longtime Bengal fan who's a part of the team and a former Clemson Tiger, it had to, has to sting. Uh, so much for him. I, I think it still builds on the incredible fact that we've only had two players in the history of college football win an NFL or, or a Super Bowl title in 56 years and a college football playoff national or a college football national championship. Like that's one of the more stunning numbers for me, maybe in sports. But man. What a game, what a night, what a halftime show, too. And we can certainly talk about the commercials here as well. I mean, I have some faves, but first we'll stay with the halftime show. Those guys rocked it out. I did not expect to see 50 Cent there, although he did not look like 50 Cent to me. Uh, I was surprised because I know he's a big workout guy. He's like a big workout buff, but 50 Cent had put on some LBs. He had put on some LBs that I did not expect. When he was when he was hanging upside down at the beginning of it, the routine, and his 50-cent necklace looked like a 20, I wasn't sure if it was 50-cent. Not until he turned over and his music hit did I actually realize it was 50-cent. Kendrick Lamar, his performance was worth about 50-cent. We could have done without him. But Snoop, Dre, Eminem. Mary J, 50. Yeah. One of the best, I I think really one of the best halftime shows I've seen. I mean, everybody that was hanging out where I was was grooving. 
and I know, look, some of you maybe aren't rap or R&B fans, and, and so it didn't strike a, you know, it didn't tickle your fancy, if you will. But based on what we've seen in recent years, that was really good. The only, yeah, I'm going to tell you my biggest negative on that whole, the whole, the whole thing with the halftime show. I don't know why the sets have to be so extravagant. Like why, like think about this for a second. What's the fun factor about the halftime show? Is it the set truly? I would argue no. Like the fun factor to me is the music. So let's figure out a way. Like let's forget having, I mean they got like six cars on the field. They got like some kind of prefabricated home. I don't even know what this this housing part, apartment complex or whatever they were dancing on was. Just give me a stage, a flat stage. Nothing, nothing. I don't need all the bells and the whistles. And give me, instead of 10 minutes of music, give me 20 minutes of music. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to flood me with a big halftime show, like as far as the time goes, then make it about the music and not about all the pomp and circumstance around it. Like when, and look, I'm sure this is for some of you not the the, the greatest moment in the history of live concerts, etc. But I watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, and I had never I never knew anything about Queen at Live Aid. I think it was called. I think they're Farm Aid or Live Aid. I can't. I really I I don't remember. But at whatever that concert was at Wembley Stadium in England. And Freddie Mercury just crushes it. And the guy that played him in the movie, if you ever watch, they've got actually a YouTube of the side-by-side of those two events. Uh, of the movie versus the actual the actual video of it. And, I mean, look, you don't, you don't need much. You just need, a, you just need a stage to rock the house. The fans will create the atmosphere. The fans will create the ambiance and the environment. But you don't need all, give us more music, less of the stage. But I really enjoyed that. And and speaking of sort of a perfect rendition and recreation, uh, the commercial that was for, I believe, an electric Silverado, maybe Chevrolet truck, I think, possibly. And they did the Sopranos, woke up this morning. And that whole thing, and they were the cutscenes were the same as Tony Soprano, except it was Meadow, his daughter, going to meet up with Anthony Jr. Uh, and they hugged, and I think she plugged in the car. That was that was one of my favorites because I love Sopranos. As a matter of fact, my wife said, "Man, we got to watch that series again." So I'm gonna be, I, I am going to be putting that one on the docket to watch. Uh, another commercial too that I thought was really cool. Well, first, before we get to that. Is it not now apparent that electric vehicles are going to be the new thing? I mean, how many electric car commercials did we see last night from different manufacturers? I think we saw Chevrolet. I think, you know, I don't think we saw, well, I didn't see every commercial, but I don't remember seeing the Tesla commercial, and they're kind of the, they're kind of at the forefront of the electric vehicle. But we saw... We saw the Chevrolet, I believe that was a Silverado. 
We saw, I think, a BMW electric commercial. I think we saw a Kia electric commercial. And then there was one more. I I can't remember who the the manufacturer was. It may have been one I just mentioned, but it was the one with the dog, like um the the dog that needed some help. And I think the I think that Arnold Schwarzenegger one where he was um where he was Zeus. I think that was a car commercial. I just don't remember uh, what car it was for. So, again, and I, I, I try to check during the break and see if I can come up with how many electric vehicle manufacturing commercials we saw, but it was definitely a lot. It was definitely a lot, which makes me think, and again, it's 2022. It makes me start to think about what our roads and gas stations uh, might look like soon if we do continue this trend towards these electric vehicles uh, and how efficient they are in a lot of respects. 803-450-0086, what was your favorite commercial? The other one that I did not mention uh, a few minutes ago, I was going to. I I liked the LeBron James commercial with his younger self. I mean, we had seen, we have seen some commercials done like this in the past. I know Michael Jordan had one where he played against himself. I think like an older version of Jordan came out. A Chicago Bulls in his prime version of Jordan came out. And then a North Carolina version of Michael Jordan came out. And I think this technology was also utilized in a movie recently, maybe with Will Smith. Uh, it's, It's creepy. It is a little creepy. Um, I think the term that people use is called the uncanny valley. Um, I don't know if that's like some kind of like if I should have said nerd alert before I use that phrase. Um, but the uncanny valley is a term that's used to describe the relationship between like a human like appearance of a robotic object and the emotional responses that it, it, it that it evokes and it's and people say that um most people will feel a sense of unease with what they see and even though that's not a humanoid robot when i'm looking at the young lebron james there is this element of oof that's the young lebron james that just kind of creeps you out a little bit uh but all in all look I thought the commercials that I that I really paid attention to were pretty good. Um, I, I think it was Coinbase or some kind of <laughs> some kind of like uh, you know buy your crypto or something group that ran an ad that looked like the old DVD uh, screensaver effect that was just bouncing around my screen for a few minutes, and then it looked like the DVD player had an error. Uh, so shout out to those guys for spending a ton of coin on. Uh, I, I will say it did get my attention because I stopped and I thought, did the, did the TV mess up? What's going on with the television? So I guess they got what they wanted. Um, I like the keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, that was also good. And then Tommy Lee Jones telling um, 
what one of the whichever one of the Jonas brothers it was because he said, "Oh, guys, now it's keeping up with the Jonases." And uh, Tommy Tommy Lee Jones said something like, "Who the heck is that?" He did acted like he didn't know. That was a good one. I mean, there were some good ones. The game was solid, better than I expected. T Higgins, phenomenal. So proud of T. Uh, just so proud of what he did. A hundred yards receiving on four receptions with two touchdowns, and then. You know, it's sad they didn't win the Super Bowl, but, man, what an experience for him to play that well uh, on that stage. With a quick break, we'll come back with more uh, Super Bowl 56 recap right after this. Rocking and rolling along on a Monday afternoon, Lawton Swan, Clemson Sports Talk again. Former Clemson Tiger Tremaine Ankrum did win a Super Bowl ring last night. I mentioned T. Higgins. Obviously, his performance was phenomenal. I thought D.J. Reader played well. But Tremaine Ankrum, former Clemson offensive lineman who has done amazing things, and I do mean amazing things, out in the uh, Los Angeles community, earned his first Super Bowl championship on Sunday. And Ankrum, with his championship, helps Clemson, who now has 32 former players who are on active rosters that have won a Super Bowl, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And of those 32 players, there is a total, because some guys have won more than one, 40 combined Super Bowl rings in Clemson's history, and you would imagine that there will eventually be more. Tremaine Ankrum played in 55 career games with 37 starts for the Tigers from 2016 to 2019, helping Clemson to three national championship berths and two national titles. So Tremaine Ankrum, again, a Super Bowl winner, and with the victory, at least one Clemson player has been on the roster of a Super Bowl champion in each of the last four years. There you go. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, this is going to be something that's going to continue to happen uh, for your Clemson Tigers through the years, given the numbers of guys that are on active rosters in the NFL. Now, Higgins and DJ Reader both started the contest. By the way, speaking of Reader real quick, when he got a sack, Tim Beret, who joins us every Thursday, tweeted, with that sack, DJ Reader becomes the first former Clemson baseball player with a sack in the Super Bowl. All true. All true. Uh, yeah, the... Uh, the fact that DJ Reader played baseball at Clemson, I was showing some people last night the photos of him. Man, that's, that's outstanding. But I love Tim Murray getting the old subtle, hey, he becomes the first guy, former Clemson baseball player, with a sack in the Super Bowl. But because Higgins and Reader both started the contest, that's the second time in the last three Super Bowls 
that multiple Clemson players were starting in the title game. And again, Higgins, phenomenal in his performance. Just the second Clemson player ever to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl behind former Clemson defensive lineman William Perry, who in the 85 Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty in the 85 season, William Perry was handed the ball off for a touchdown as the Bears knocked off the New England Patriots. Higgins' 75-yard touchdown was the longest reception in a Super Bowl since Carolina Panthers' Musin Muhammad had an 85-yard scoring touchdown uh, many years ago. I guess that was Super Bowl 38. Super Bowl 38, so 18 years ago, uh, the last time there was a reception that long in the NFL. Higgins finished the game, as I mentioned earlier, with four receptions for 100 yards, the first 100-yard receiving performance in a Super Bowl by a Clemson product. That surpassed Sammy Watkins' 98-yard performance back in Super Bowl 54. Higgins was the 51st 100-yard receiving effort in the Super Bowl's 56-game history, and his two touchdowns were only the 18th multi-touchdown performance in the history of the Super Bowl as well. Just 17 other guys have ever had two touchdowns receiving in a ball game. T. Higgins. 803-450-0086. One final note on Tremaine Ancrum. And this will be something that I'm sure this will be a list that will be added to. He was a two-time national champion at Clemson. And he joins Dan Benish, K.D. Dunn, Andy Hedden, Terry Kennard, Dorian O'Daniel, and William Perry as Clemson players who have won a national title and a Super Bowl ring. And I think I'm safe in saying Tremaine Ancrum is the only player from Clemson to ever have two national titles and a Super Bowl ring. So good for you, Tremaine. And we'll reach out to Tremaine to see if we can get him on the show after things calm down a little bit. I mean, given the fact that it's going to be wild. I mean, and they are at home, too. And I kind of felt late in the game like that home field advantage was actually was actually there. There just there seemed to be a lot of energy for the Rams late. And maybe that was just a, a matter of momentum, but maybe it was also a matter of the fact that they're playing in their home stadium. Never really liked Matt Stafford, I'll say this. But knowing <laughs> knowing how bad the the Detroit Lions have been in my life outside of a season or two <laughs> for him to get a Super Bowl title. It did. I, I'll be honest. It, it, there was a moment where I was like, you know what? I feel good for that guy. Because if you've had to be the quarterback <laughs> in Detroit as long as Matthew Stafford was, you probably deserve something good to, to come for you. Uh, and then, you know, Aaron Donald. I, I don't. I don't necessarily love the way this Rams team was built. 
but Aaron Donald has been there and he's been at times the most dominant player in the league. Uh, I watched a good many of the HBO series, the um, Hard Knocks, and a couple of years ago it was the Los Angeles Rams and you know, watching him, I guess it was last season, and, and watching Donald on that and, and just kind of, you know, anytime you get some backstory on a guy, anytime you can you know, kind of peel back the, the layers and learn a little bit about a person, I, I tend to kind of like that stuff. And so, I mean, I enjoyed watching that series, and that kind of endeared me a little bit more to Sean McVay as well. Again, I was rooting hard for the Bengals. I wanted them to get a stop. I hated that call on the third down, the third and eight. I thought it was a terrible call. I think it cost the Bengals a game, most likely. Uh, and you hate that, a game where the refs stay out of the way. In the waning moments, the refs rear their ugly heads. But fantastic Super Bowl nonetheless. 23-20, the final score. We'll hit a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Brad Brunell right after this. Back at it on a Monday afternoon. The show that shakes the Southland, Clemson Sports, Talk Lawton Swan with you. We heard from Brad Brownell after Clemson's loss to Notre Dame on Saturday. Here's what Coach Brownell had to say about the Fighting Irish and the way that Mike Bray's team played in Little John Coliseum. Man, Notre Dame played well tonight. Uh, you know, they make 13 threes. It's going to be hard to beat them. Uh, I just thought we uh, we had a hard time when they got they got going early. Obviously, Wesley with 18 right away. Uh, kind of set a tone, put us on our heels a little bit. Uh, I thought our front court did some good things. Ian, great to see him getting these minutes, his chance to start and play, and he's rebounding at a very high level. Um, you know, PG, PJ got 19 again, which is good. Um, probably a few too many shots to get 19. He's got to be a little more efficient. Um, but then we just weren't quite as good in the guard play and, and – in some situations, I, I, we just have to make, you know, we, we need to make eight out of those shots probably. We need to make three more threes in a game like this to to give us a chance to take it to the wire. Uh, we just weren't able to apply enough game pressure uh, to Notre Dame. And, and you know, they're, they're just playing really well. They're hard to card. They, they uh, you know, they move the ball. They share the ball. They cut really hard. They're, they're older guys. So they don't get rattled. Um, they're just – they're playing with a ton of confidence and a little bit, you can see a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with some guys that haven't been to the tournament in a couple of years and highly touted group. And, uh, you know, that's what you, that's what you want with your team. Our, I thought our team last year was similar um, with Clyde Trapp and Amir Sims, some guys that went as freshmen and hadn't been in a couple of years and then wanted to go back desperately as seniors. Uh, we had that feeling, um, and that urgency and, and just experience to battle through things. And, and uh, they're just, they're playing very good basketball. So a lot of credit to Coach Bray and his staff and the way those guys are playing. They played great tonight. Brad Brownell was also asked about the defensive breakdowns that Clemson had in that matchup against the Fighting Irish. No, I mean, some of it's just great offense now. I mean, they, you know, their, their pace of their cuts and, you know, they've, they've got good players. So they, they make, they make good decisions with the ball. They, they, I mean, they've got good spacing. You know, you're fighting to go over or under a ball screen. And, and uh, you know, it's challenging because there's three-point shooting everywhere. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're spread out and they're driving it in the lane and making plays. You know, Atkinson has led them in scoring maybe the last three games. Um, and so 
they can do all their stuff. You guard them and then they throw it to Atkinson and you still got a handful. Cause like, what are you going to do? Go double him and give up more threes or. So I think it was just a comment. we had a couple breakdowns. We, we had some mistakes on some things where we wanted to, you know, handful of plays we, we needed to do better. Um, it's hard. Like, you know, we don't, we didn't get to guard these guys live in practice. You know, you're, you're walking through and then all of a sudden it's like, dude, you're, you're asking your guys, Hey, game speed now. And, you know, and, that, and it's, the guys are bigger and faster than our walk-ons um, and, and uh, trying to guard it, you know, at game speed is, is challenging. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that's where kind of, it comes at you so quick, like it was, and it takes you a while to get your legs back on and realize, all right, wait a minute here. Here's what we're trying to do. Let's make sure we we execute. And you know, there were certainly a couple of busted coverages and all that. And then, and then Wesley, he banked one in. You know, I mean, it was he was feeling pretty good. Uh, so, uh, and then we just didn't quite play well enough. Clemson coach Brad Brunell after the Tigers' loss on Saturday. The other question uh, that he was asked was about uh, just having to play small, obviously without David Collins, without. Uh, Hunter Tyson, I mean, this group was already undersized, now even more so, and having to get that rotation together, being a little bit smaller. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Just, yeah, more guard play and and ball handling and decision-making and zone offense. We knew they were going to play a bunch of zone too. Um, So just, you know, having a little more shooting and speed and ball handling out there. Plus we knew that Nas was going to have to play a ton of minutes at the four. Um, and so you, you just kind of got to, I mean, when you don't have David, it, it limits you, right? We don't, we only have four perimeter players now. And so those guys were kind of playing the one, two, three, just kind of interchanging all four of those guys there. And then the three other guys for the most part were, were playing the two big spots. Um, you know, hard game, maybe for Ben, uh, it's, they're just so spread out and it happens so fast. The way they play, we did, I just didn't feel like this maybe was a game a game that was good for Ben right now. Um, so just you know, sheer numbers to be honest, no Hunter, no DC, you're kind of limited in what you got to do. 
Hey, Coach Brad Brownell was also asked about just the tough week. He kind of chuckled when he was asked because, again, facing Duke and North Carolina and Notre Dame in back-to-back ball games, and uh, perhaps what his team could take away from this week. Well, I, I'm proud of our guys. I, I do think, like I thought, we we fought pretty hard. Um, you know, uh, it, it, you, you know, you're playing three of the best teams in the league. Uh, the first game, we, you know, we got we got the lead with a minute to go. We got a chance to win. Um, the second game, we battle for a half and we get it. You know, the last five, first five or six minutes of the second half, we're hanging in there, and then Duke pulls away with. Uh, you know, size and numbers, and and they played well. And then, you know, Notre Dame was ready. I thought they had a good plan, and and you know, we got punched in the mouth, and right away we're down double figures, and it's it's hard. You could have caved, but I thought our kids fought, and we battled back several times. But when they're making that many shots, like it, you know, they got to help you a little bit as the best team, or one of the best teams in the league. They got to help you by missing shots and having a little bit of an off night and they didn't have an off night. Um, they had a good night. And so uh, we just couldn't, we couldn't sustain it long enough against their good play. Of course, the Tigers now 12 and 13 overall four and 10 in the ACC. And Brad Brunel was asked, how does he keep the team focused? And is that a concern? I'm honest with them. When I think we play well, we talk about it. And when I don't think that we're playing as well as we can, we talk about that. And, you know, as much as anything, you know, you try to be honest about their development and then remind them of the opportunity that they're in. When you're playing ACC basketball at a great school, uh, in a program that, that, you know, we're proud of what we're doing. Uh, and so it, you know, it's easy to get a little woes me and feel sorry for yourself and get wrapped up in all that. But man, there's a lot of people that would like to trade places with you and, uh, you better be mindful of that. And, uh, you know, I want guys that want to be a part of a team. And, and, and you know, it's it's easy to to have some, you know, discourse right now. But we're, we're sticking in there. We're battling hard. And, uh, you know, got another chance on Tuesday to try to bounce back and continue to play a little bit better. So there you go. Some comments from Brad Brownell. We'll hit a quick break. We'll come back with more of the show that shakes the Southland on a Monday afternoon. Back at it on a Monday afternoon, the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton Swan with you again. Heard from Brad Brownell just a few minutes ago. The Tigers will take on the Florida State Seminoles tomorrow. So uh, in the midst of Valentine's Day, lots of heartbreak uh, up in Tigertown. Can they find a victory against the Seminoles tomorrow night to snap this three-game skid they've been on? And uh, just a, a frustrating uh, – listen, I don't know if there's another way around it. It is a frustrating time for Clemson Tiger fans in a lot of respects because, listen, this team, I, look, I don't think anybody looked at the, the lineup this year and said, oh, man, this team's you know destined for some great level of success. But I do think you kind of looked at them out of the gates, the way they were playing. I know they had some heartbreaking losses uh, early in the season. Actually, now, what, a four-game losing streak. I forgot about the loss to Georgia Tech. But, um, you know, you, you I, I think felt like Okay, if they can shore some things up, again, they were going to be undersized. We knew that. Uh, but then you have a two-point loss to Boston College. It just kind of drives you crazy. Uh, you know, the five-point loss to Georgia Tech. And and having chances against Duke and North Carolina and, and letting those games escape. And you can't imagine, right, like what this season could feel like uh, had this team uh, just finished some of those ball games, But they didn't. And you can't change it. And they'll try to change it 
up against the Florida State Seminoles tomorrow on the road in Tallahassee, the last team Clemson beat. The Tigers defeated the Seminoles earlier this season, 75-69. to So, yeah, I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. I, I think everybody's frustrated. And as I've said, I, I'm just going to let the administration decide what they want to do. Uh, the record, the resume, the success, or lack thereof, speaks for itself at this point to me. At 4-10 and 10 overall, a bitter, bitter disappointment um, in my estimation. 803-450-0086, text line, phone line. Again, be a part of the show anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And uh, congratulations to former Clemson Tiger Tremaine Ankrum again for uh, winning a Super Bowl championship last night. One of the other things that happened, Van Jefferson left the game afterwards, Did he skipped the celebration. Uh, his wife went into labor during the ball game. Jefferson left the stadium right after things concluded to get there to the for the birth of his son uh, as his wife, Samaria, went into labor during Sunday's game. So what a moment. And then he's at home. Uh, you know, there's a photo of him hours later at 12:27 a.m. Literally hours later, two hours later or so, uh, holding his newborn son, Jefferson, the second-year receiver out of Florida, <laughs> finished the Super Bowl with four catches for 23 yards. And you know, it 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 begs the question. Going back to the ball game, the Super Bowl, and I talked earlier about how tight this entire playoff was. By the way, coming up, William Quackenbush here in just a few minutes. How tight the entire playoff was. And there's no doubt. I mean, it was. There were so many great games. I think, what I say a few minutes ago? Six out of seven games were three-point ball games, and the other one was a six-point game. I'll, I'll, I'll take it in those final games of the season. But just looking at how competitive that game was and the lack of, of officials, you know, whistles in that game, and the one, the one play, like I, I don't discount, as I said earlier, some of the other penalties that took place after that third down and eight play that, Kept the drive alive for the Los Angeles Rams and ultimately ended with a touchdown. But that third and eight, given how that game had been officiated, and I know, look, somebody said to me, well, well, the T. Higgins play shouldn't have counted if the refs had gotten that call right. And, and you're right. If the refs get that call right, it does, that play doesn't count. So you know, I, I guess you can't have it one way and not the other. But even still, what I, I do hate about it, and, and the difference being here is the entire game, the officials were not a factor. Like, they let the guys play. Like, the T. Higgins play wasn't like some overly advert issue that was missed. It was a bang-bang play, and, and it was missed by the officials. But I prefer that. I prefer a, a miss in that situation by the officials than to throw a flag and be wrong or to be controversial. Like, in that moment when T. Higgins makes a play, I mean, Higgins still has to make the play. In the moment where the Rams are rewarded the first down, the only thing that has to happen there is the back judge has to throw the flag. 
He has to believe there's a, a penalty there. And I'm not saying that, it, that the ref wasn't right and he didn't see something that we couldn't see from the camera angles. But in a game where the refs have, quote, let them play, I think at that moment, you got to let them play. I, how much more exciting, honestly, would that Super Bowl have been in your mind at the end had, had the Rams needed to score a touchdown on a fourth and eight? Well, not necessarily a, a, a touchdown. They needed eight yards. But even still, down near the goal line, you're probably going to try to get in the end zone or at least come close to it. I mean, how much more exciting could that game again been if that's the way it went instead of the automatic penalty, five-yard first down? Like, that's that that was the thing for me watching that final play unfold. Like, you have let them play this entire game. And in that moment, the most possibly the most consequential moment of the ball game, you throw a flag, and it's it's not like it was egregious, at least from the angle I saw. Like, I need to see egregious in order to throw a flag in that moment. And 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 look, I, I'm not calling into question the officials, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, like his uh, credibility by any means. None of that, but far be it from me not to think that that official, you know, given uh, what we know about the NBA in the past and officiating that that official doesn't realize, hey, th- I can keep this whole drive alive. Just one one bad call, essentially. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. I hate to think that that could be the case at all. But that's why I would say, man, at that point, just let them play. Let them finish the game. Let the players settle it on the field because it was not an egregious penalty in that moment, in my opinion. William Quagginbush joins us. We'll find out his thoughts right after this. Stay with us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland Clips of Sports Talk. Lawton Swan with you, William Quackenbush. 105.5 The Roar in the Upstate on Twitter at Quack Talk joins us on the heels of Super Bowl 56's conclusion as the Los Angeles Rams knock off the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20. Quack, man, hope you're doing well. How'd you enjoy the Super Bowl? Hang on. You know, Swanee, it was a good Super Bowl. Um... You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like you could hang the game in the Louvre or, you know, put it on a pedestal. Throw, you know, there's not, you know, 20 Hall of Famers in a game. But <laughs> I, you know, I I see it as a little bit, and that's really what it was. This is a healthy way to look at. It, I think it was a fulfilling event. 
right? We know the Super Bowl is not just about the game for us who love sports. It is primarily about the game, but you've got the pregame stuff, you got halftime show, you got the commercials, you got all the other stuff that makes it a cultural event. And whenever I, it's kind of like going to the movies, it, it's hard for me to not like a movie that I paid money and invested time in. You know, if it's something I could turn off or it's something that, you know, it, I can either take or leave, fine. It can stink. But I'm not going to invest time and money in something and then start to find a bunch of reasons why it wasn't any good. That's just not a, that's just not a wholesome way to live. That's not, a, that's not a, a fulfilling way to live. And I thought the, I thought the Super Bowl was fulfilling. Um, the game wasn't great, but it also was two four seeds. Uh, it was competitive. And we had such a good playoff in the NFL that it's kind of like when you, uh, when you put two four seeds, let's say, in the national championship game in basketball. You had a great tournament to get to that point. You had a lot of upsets. And even if the last game maybe is not as cleanly played as if you'd had the two best teams in the country all year, if it's close, if it's competitive, then it caps off the season in the correct way. That's kind of how I felt about everything. Halftime show was very, very good. I thought pregame anthem and all that was really, really good. The commercials I thought were, were nice. And the game was, uh, the game was competitive. Quack, how ridiculous is it that I think the number one, was it six out of seven of the final playoff games were three-point margins? Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. That, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's been <laughs> such a good playoff yeah. that all the games are close. The fact that we got another close game, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time rehashing, well, what if the Chiefs hadn't been, you know, totally emasculated because they couldn't get a touchdown there at the end of their uh, game against the Bengals. And the, and the Chiefs are in the game. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. What if the Niners had taken out the Rams? Or what if the Packers hadn't wet the bed? Or what, like, I'm, not, I'm just not going to spend a lot of time relitigating what if we had the two best teams in. Because the, whoever you think the two best teams are didn't get there. Yet we, we, when we, in the aftermath of Chiefs-Bills, we saw what we considered to be the Super Bowl. And I said at the time, if the Super Bowl matches that, it will be a feat. Why would we go into this game with two teams seated worse than the Chiefs or the Bills and think that this game is going to measure up to that game? It wasn't going to happen. So you set your expectations accordingly. You don't expect it to be an all-timer, and you just you want it to be close at the end. Also, the, the one play that I gave out to our audience was under the total, and the, the total hit, and I, I said the Rams will win 23-17, it was 23-20. So we'll add that to the things that made yeah. me think it was a fulfilling experience all in all. William Qualkabush is on Twitter at Qualtalk. So I said this, Qualk, a few, a few minutes ago, and I said it earlier in the show as well, and I'll get your, your thoughts on it. Like when the referees keep the, the, the flag in their pocket the entire ball game, essentially, and I love that. I'm, I'm okay with that. The third and eight penalty that, that gave the Rams a first down that would go on to their touchdown, like, it, like if that was an egregious holding call, you throw the flag. I just don't. I just didn't see it. Like I just didn't see it. It should have been fourth and eight, in my opinion. Yeah, it it was pretty egregious. Um, you know, and couple that with the fact they, you know, they missed the whole offensive line false starting. I mean, what what was that? Yes, thank it did, you. It, it, <laughs> look, in I mean, in a game where T Higgins ragdolled a guy, like in plain sight for everyone to see, and a bunch of highly paid and, uh, like, prestigious officials watching the play, and there's no call. I mean, look, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jalen Ramsey's made a career of, out of grabbing and pushing and holding. He's a physical corner, so I don't feel bad for him. 
But like, as much as I enjoyed the T. Higgins scored a touchdown, you got to be like, man, that's that's horrible. I think I tweeted it was one of the worst call, no calls I've ever seen in broad daylight. Like it was an obvious it was an obvious call that he two hand shoved. If you're anywhere on the field, they just dra- again ragged all the guy. And then you're gonna call that on a big third down. You feel like that's rough. Um, and then you know there were a couple other things in the game. I mean, there, there was there were a couple times where I thought receivers are grabbed. Maybe the ball's uncatchable. Whatever. They were letting him play until the last minute. I think it's a scourge on every sport that they do it. I think it's ridiculous that we spend every time the ball goes out of bounds with two minutes left in a basketball game, we have to go to the monitor just to make sure that we were, you know, correct, that our eyes didn't go bonkers or whatever. We have to do that every time. So, in effect, the teams get nine timeouts. All you got to do is knock the ball out of bounds, you get timeout. It's crazy. Uh, I, I don't like it in football either. And I, I will also say this. Uh, the T. Higgins and uh, and Jalen Ramsey play, the touchdown from earlier in the game, is the exact reason why I don't think people understand what they're saying when they say, let the players decide the game. Like, I don't want to see the officials let the players decide the game. Because I don't want the players to decide the game if it means you're going to ragdoll a guy, right? I mean, we still need the officials to, like, tap in. We still need the officials to be there. And for 58 minutes, it seemed like they were basically AWOL unless there was a delay of game or something. They had this weird taunting penalty. There were six penalties in the game. I felt like there were more flags in the last two minutes than the first 58 combined. That was weird. And I know late in games, there gets a little more desperation. Maybe guys are, are uh, trying a little bit harder. Maybe they're a little bit fatigued. We know that in every sport, but not to that extent. So that was, uh, that was a little bit concerning to me as well. William Qualkinbush is on Twitter at Qualtalk each and every day. Out of the bounds with Qualk and Kelly on 105.5 The Roar in the Upstate. All right, so did you think? Uh, and again, you mentioned that, that T. Higgins tossed Jalen Ramsey. No, you know, I, I don't. I do not deny that, Your Honor. But I do present the 75 yards touchdown that did go in his back pocket. Two touchdowns, four receptions, 100 yards. There was a moment there in the second half. I thought, you know what? If the Bengals hold on, T. Higgins might win the MVP. You know, I thought the same. Uh, what was interesting to me was, you know, Jamar Chase got free a couple times. Higgins got free a couple times. Higgins ended up with Ramsey on him a larger portion of the time than I expected. You know, there was uh, right. there was this thought that it was either going to be Chase or Higgins that was going to be the big deal. I said it was going to be if, um, if Uzoma played or Tyler Boyd that they were going to be, you know, really important. Because those guys wouldn't have Ramsey on them, and they would have opportunities. And then outside of that, it's going to be a Joe Mixon game. Now, ironically, I think the Bengals lost because they didn't run the ball enough, and the Rams lost because they were almost lost because they ran too much and they were stubborn about it. But you felt like maybe in some of those situations, Burrow might have forced the ball. Excuse me, might have forced the ball to Higgins a little bit more because he was able to make plays. Uh, Higgins got open down the field. He was physical whether it was Ramsey or somebody else on him, you know, you got to, you got to give him a lot of credit for the way that he played tough contested catch had one in double coverage on a third down. That was sensational of a play. Uh, I think it was on the left hash, maybe over the middle. He acquitted himself quite well in a Super Bowl that really should have been about bigger, more established stars for him to be, to come out of the game as a leading receiver, Cooper cup included. That's a huge feather in his cap and something to carry on forward in his career. Boy, and what a story, Cooper Cup. You know, a, a relative unknown collegiately. My son, as a matter of fact, you know, it, it's weird. Like, I've crossed over to the threshold where my son now tells me things that I need to know. And he says, Dad, you got to watch Cooper Cup versus Oregon when he was playing at Eastern Washington 
uh, Eastern Washington. And I put that tape on, man, the other day. His highlights, holy smokes. You're like he's from another planet in that ball game. Uh, all that being said, what do you make of his story to go from Eastern Washington to the uh, MVP and, and, and the only other player in the league uh, outside of Brady and Rodgers to get a, a vote for player of the year? Yeah, you know, that was interesting. I, I, um, I felt like, particularly late in the game, Cup was super-duper important. He was super important because you had, uh, you had OBJ, right? You had OBJ goes down. And so it's basically the Cooper Cup show now, especially after Skoranek comes in and you have the, the tip and the interception, you know, okay, like that's, that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to be an option moving forward really for Stafford. It was, the, it was the Cooper Cup show and it was the running backs and it was all that. To me, Cup was, he was the clutch guy. Certainly the touchdown was big time. Uh, he earned every bit of that. He earned every bit of that during the season where he's setting records and doing things that nobody, uh, that nobody has done, um, uh, you know, in a Rams uniform. And he had one of those seasons for receivers that you never forget because it's hard to have that type of sustained production week after week after week. It's hard to do in the playoffs. He did it there. I think the way that he acquitted himself in college, even though nobody's watching, it's translated directly to the NFL. I mean, look, you can – do you not look at, at Cooper Cup and see a Hunter Renfro? Oh, I mean, do you yes. not see a guy? And Absolutely. I understand, like, that might be a little bit stereotypical, but look at the way Cup gets open. Look at his, the way he uses his body. Look at the way he, you know, he, he's fast, but he's not the fastest guy on the field. But look at the way he accelerates and decelerates and comes in and out of breaks. You can see what Hunter Renfro is trying to become. And if you look back earlier in Cooper Cup's career, you can see some parallels to what Hunter Renfro was doing with the Raiders, too. If you're a Clemson fan watching that game yesterday, that's what I would take away from Cooper Cup's game is that you're talking about the upside for Hunter Renfro is, is a receiver that's kind of like that with all the production and everything that comes with it. 100% with you on that, Quark. That was the first thing I thought. I said, man, this like they are similar in a lot of respects, and it made me feel more confident about um, the role that Hunter Renfro can have in the NFL moving forward. Again, you can follow William Qualkabush on Twitter at Talk, and he joins us every Monday. So, Qualk, let's shift gears away from the Super Bowl as much as I enjoy. Oh, you know what? One more thing on the Super Bowl. Tell me your your favorite ad. What was your favorite advertisement? Um, There were a couple. I just recently watched The Sopranos. Ooh. So it was very fresh for me. I said and that so one. The, uh, the, the Chevy commercial with the yeah. two kids, with the daughter driving, with Meadow, uh, with Meadow driving in particular. Yeah. I mean, that, that was unbelievable. And then you see the embrace at the end. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but, <laughs> I, you know, there were some people saying maybe that clears up some stuff about that last episode. Mm. You know, I'll just let that linger and let people figure out for themselves. <laughs> I really like that. You know, the, um, the, the Scarlett Johansson, Colin Joe's commercial, I just, I just found that funny. That's the okay. kind of humor I like. Press pause because I, I know, you know you and I. I know you and I both outkicked our coverage here, Qualk. Um, but Colin Joe severely. Um, it, it, I mean, this guy. How in the world did he? I, I, you know, flabbergasted. <laughs> I forgot that they were together. Right. Just seeing that commercial, I was like, "You have got to be kidding me, bro!" Like, how <laughs> how do you pull that? How do you do that? So anyway, there was a bit of self-loathing in that too. Uh, <laughs> even though I did, I'll get my coverage for sure. Happy Valentine's Day to all the women out there who are happily married <laughs> and whose men last night were uh, imagine themselves as Colin Joe's. 
But uh, but I you know I I also like the uh, the Austin Powers commercial. I thought that was really good. And then every single commercial is for an electric vehicle. And I just I I want right. to see a graph for the for how much people spent on ads for electric vehicles because I felt like every single commercial was either for some sort of crypto or electric vehicles or like Doritos. I yeah, like, like that Doritos ad too with the animals in the jungle. I like that one. It's like uh, Exxon's just fire up one next year where like somebody cranks up a big like five point Mustang with yeah. smoke coming out the back. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> We still like gas. All right. That's right. All right, Clark. So let's shift gears <laughs> away from the Super Bowl and talk about Clemson Hoops, a four-game losing streak right now. We knew this past week would be tough. It, it, it felt like, given, again, the situation with David Collins being out, suspended for the Notre Dame game, uh, Hunter Tyson being out. I mean, it, it, the, the, the deck seemed to get tougher as the games progressed through the week for Clemson, but – Man, this team, just four wins right now in conference. They've got a matchup against Florida State tomorrow. My biggest concern is one of the questions that Brad Brunell was really asked about after the game, and that was, you know, where, you know, how do you keep this team mentally, right, mentally engaged when their season's kind of falling at their feet? Well, the, the crazy thing is, you know, I know they've been at home, but they haven't looked disengaged. You know what I mean? Um, it's not as if they were – they came into this week like playing for super-duper stakes. Yeah, I mean, if they won like seven, eight games in a row, um, I think, you know, you can uh, – you, you could say that, that, uh, that, that maybe they could work their way into the NCAA tournament. But in, in all honesty, you're probably playing to host an NIT game before this week. Now you're just trying to keep your head above water, head above 500, looking at ACC tournament seating and seeing if something can happen if you go on a big run when the, when the tournament goes to Brooklyn. So I think they already have had that opportunity. The North Carolina game was a gut punch. I felt like energy really wasn't the issue against Duke coming off of that, which it could have been, even though the, the building was electric. I did think they ran out of gas at the end. But then you're just – you're short two guys. And, look, the, the, the Duke game, don't underestimate the impact of having Trevor Keels versus not because Duke didn't have Trevor Keels in the first meeting. And Clemson having Trevor uh, – excuse me, Hunter Tyson versus not which they did have Hunter Tyson. So you're talking about adding a, a future NBA player, in my opinion, and the most physically impressive of all of those freshmen for Duke. You're talking about adding him to the lineup and then taking one of yours out, and Duke already beat you. So I was not that surprised about that, particularly when Collins went out. And then Notre Dame's just a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for P.J. Hall. It's a bad matchup if you don't have Tyson or Collins against that link. You had both of those guys up at Notre Dame, and they still shot over you, and they just, they just killed you on the offensive end. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Blake Wesley's a really good player. He's a potential lottery pick, I think. So those were bad matchups. You got to – I mean, you got to bring it against Florida State now because Florida State got destroyed. They were down almost 40 at the half against NC State uh, – or excuse me, not NC State, against uh, North Carolina on Saturday – and so this is a team that's also dealing with injuries that's a little bit emotionally fragile, and that's what you sell to your team. There are opportunities for wins coming up with better matchups. David Collins back in the fold. He's going to want to overcompensate probably or compensate properly for you know, not being available to help his team. And so I think that's what you sell. And Brad Brownell said it's going to be challenging, but so far they've been able to dangle enough carrots to make it work. Ian Shefflin playing really well. It's yeah. an opportunity for him. Nas Bohannon with an enhanced role, opportunity for him. Alamir Dawes has been kind of stinky the last few weeks with rare exceptions. Opportunity for him. P.J. Hall, all-ACC resume, he's building it. 
opportunity for him. So there's still chances all across the board. A couple got, you know, Nick Honor finishing out your career, et cetera. I just think there are enough opportunities out there that as long as you're dangling those carrots right, and as long as the guys have good chemistry and camaraderie, which I think they do, I think you can expect them to at least be cohesive and play hard. And then most nights they're going to play well, and that'll give you a chance to win in Tallahassee tomorrow. Follow him on Twitter, at Qualk Talk. And again, the Clemson Tigers will take on the Florida State Seminoles tomorrow on the road. And, man, it just feels like a game they got to they gotta pull it out. Qualk, buddy, always, uh, always great talking to you. Happy Valentine's Day to you and the missus. And certainly I hope you guys have a fun evening and look forward to catching up with you next Monday, buddy. Yeah, man, same to you. Always good to be with you, Swanee. So there you go, William Qualkenbush on a Monday afternoon. 803-450-0086, text line and phone line. Again, be a part of the program anytime, anyplace, anywhere to get our website. Put the .com on it, dog on it. That's ClemsonSportsTalk.com. All right, we got a break coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Well, about a minute and some change. And uh, we got some text messages that have come through. We'll get to those. Plus, you can leave one right now if you want, 803 450 0086-803-450-0086. Again, the Los Angeles Rams. Congratulations to the Rams. They are the Super Bowl champions. Who are the early favorites for next season? Who do you think is going to be out in front leading the charge? Can that be the Bengals? Could they go out and get some help on the offensive line in the draft? Could that change the course? How about Big Trev, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, Certainly, I don't think they've got any shot of getting to the Super Bowl, but would it be worth throwing down a couple of beans for it? Or even, dare I say, how good can Jacksonville be uh, this coming season? Who knows? 803, we'll talk about all of that and much more here on the program. 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. It is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk here on a Monday afternoon, a chilly Monday, right? Started like 29 degrees this morning. Warmed up a little bit, but man, I'll tell you what, there was a chill in the air when your boy Swanee loaded up the old four-wheel sled to head to work this a.m. We'll hit a quick break. We'll come back with more of the show that shakes the Southland on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Rolling along on a Monday afternoon, Lawton Swan, Clemson Sports Talk, the website, put the .com on it, doggone it, Clemson Sports Talk. Dot com. As I said just a few minutes ago, make sure uh, that you check it all out uh, and get the news inside scoop and more on your Clemson Tigers. 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. On Twitter, by the way, do you follow us on Twitter? At Clemson Sports. Join the nearly 24,000. Man, I can't wait to get to 25,000. That seems like a real milestone. The sad part is the next real milestone after you get to 25,000 followers feels like 50. Feels like 50. I also heard from uh, Lowell, the producer extraordinaire, last night. He was fired up, one, because The Rock came out and said, finally. And I thought, yeah, you know what? The Rock's a big fan of the Clemson Sports Talk program. Uh, And then, secondly, uh, Lowell said, imagine ever wanting Coldplay to do the Super Bowl again after that halftime show. Man, it was good. I could have done without Kendrick Lamar. Maybe I'm too old for Kendrick Lamar. Uh, but Snoop, Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, um, they, 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 they had it going on, man. Uh, Eminem, Mary J, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The one thing I was still trying to figure out though is why 50 Cent didn't get any billing at all, even after his performance. They showed like a way you could see behind the scenes. And he was not even on the, the graphic that they had there. So, uh, I'm not sure. HD in Charlotte says, Swanee, I totally agree with your assessment of the NFL postseason. It shows you how much parity makes, uh, or how parity makes the entire league more competitive and interesting for fans. He said, I hope college football fans take note because with changes in the college game, NIL and the portal, the rich programs get richer and everyone else is left behind. Again, that comes to us from HD in Charlotte. So, you know, thinking about it, again, I think the, 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 how do you balance the parity in college football is so much more difficult to manage because of the way the game is set up. Like, I do not deny that. The thing that I think, and, and this is where I think most people will agree, where you can create parity is by having a bigger playoff. And, and I, I know that seems counterintuitive. But as I laid it out a couple of weeks ago, like my belief is that you would trim some of the fat out from the playoffs some seasons. Maybe not all. You might not get – and the NFL is not always going to have, what, six out of seven games be three-point ball games. I mean, that's just not the way it's going to work. But the goal should be that the final four games are the best four games. And it's not always going to be that. But that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see us pare it down from either eight or ten to four and go from there. Uh, not to be dismissive of Cincinnati, but I don't think one win over Notre Dame was reason enough to validate their season. I mean, call call me, you know, whatever you want, but I, I want to see more validation. And unfortunately, and I, and look, I want to include, I, I do not, and I'm going to get to my NFL stuff in a minute. I, I know I mentioned I was going to talk to the NFL. I'll get to that uh, next segment. But I want to include... You know, I want to be more inclusive. I want the I want the group of five teams in. I am okay with that. As a matter of fact, I, in my scenario, you'd have more group of five teams in and allow them more opportunities to have a seat at the table. And then, if they make a run and get to the championship game and win it, you know what you you know what you cannot deny that they earned it on the field. That they earned it on the field. I mean, far be it from me to present a scenario where, say, Cincinnati gets into the college football playoff a la 2021, like they just did, and say that a guy like Bryce Young gets injured before the game or even during the game, and Cincinnati wins that, and then maybe the upcoming opponent also has some big issue that takes place, or goodness gracious, forbid that COVID-19 had canceled the game and it had been a forfeit and they had won. What that would have been like. It's almost a, a slap in the face to how it's supposed to be done. One on the field. And I think if you make it that draw a little bit bigger, two, three wins, 
against Power 5 teams to to win a title? You know, more than two, I guess, technically? I don't know a person that would say, ah, you, you, you lucked up. I mean, you went out there and earned it. And that's where, that's where I want it to get. Uh, at this point, yeah, I think if you get through the grind of a Power 5 season and you win a couple of games and you bring it home, yeah, I think Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and 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 uh, Ohio State and LSU have earned those national titles. I don't I don't deny that. But even with two victories, if they were fortunate enough to do it, yeah, you you give it to them at this point. But I, I think my point is I don't think they'd be there in the Final Four anyway. So go prove it. Like prove it on more than one occasion against Notre Dame that you deserve to be in that game. And that's, that's all I'm really wanting. And I think, too, it would, one, I mean, if you're a fan of any school, I don't know why you would be against it. Maybe Alabama, because it, maybe it feels like it's tougher for you to win the title. But if you are, I mean, if you're really from anywhere in the Power Five, I don't know why you would be against this. Like, if you're a Gamecock fan, you should be for this, in, I mean, all day, every day. Because it increases your chances of getting in. And I'm no statistician or no, I'm definitely not an Einsteiner, but I feel like mathematically, <laughs> and I'm sure there's probably some kind of, you know, the, you'd, be taking a, you'd, you'd be taking a class at Clemson or wherever, and, and there, there's like some kind of symbol that means something, plus or minus. But I, I sure do think, at least in my mind's eye, that going from four to eight doubles everybody's chances of getting into the playoffs. Maybe it actually doesn't, but I feel like it does. I feel like everybody's chances are immediately doubled to get in. And how could that be bad for anybody? Like, that should be good for everybody. The odds that you get in the playoffs are doubled? I, I think that's how that works. Now, look. There, I'm telling you, I've got a math guy listening right now, and he's going through He's crunching the numbers in his mathematical brain, probably while he's driving, and he and and, and probably talking on the telephone too. He's doing all that at once, and he's going, nope, Swan, it's not, not quite doubled because you got to factor in this. I don't know what that variable is, but I'd love to know, but I think it's doubled. <laughs> we'll hit a break. We'll come back. I'll talk to you a little bit more about the NFL after this. Back at it, hour number two, Clemson Sports, Salt Law and Swan with you. So uh, I mentioned the NFL power rankings and uh, what that could look like. And again, I, I think in a lot of respects, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals got to feel like their future is pretty bright given uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and uh, also having Joe Burrow at quarterback. How do they continue to develop um, that continuity between those three guys and and really develop their program. And I think it's got to start up front. I mean, if you look at the number of times Joe Burrow was sacked, what, 70 times, I think, something like that this season. I mean, absurd, seven times last night, 51 times, I think, in the regular season. I mean, he's on his back more than anybody in the league, and, and yet still there they were in the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. If that one call goes their way, they win it. They win it. If, you know, if there's no penalty, they probably win that game. Which is just incredible, given how bad their offensive line is. So, you would imagine that is 
one of the things to be addressed for sure. Now, most people are going to continue to buy in on the Chiefs. You know where I stand with the Chiefs and with Patrick Mahomes. My, my feeling is and will continue to be. I think the Chiefs will win a lot of regular season games with Pat Mahomes. I think they will struggle to win more Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. I just, I, I think one holds the ball too long, tries to make plays that just aren't realistically, you know, realistic to make. Fundamentals, in my opinion, wins the day. And I think he is more prone to make big time mistakes thinking he can make a throw that he can't make. Get cutesy when you don't need to be getting cutesy. But a lot of people have Kansas City on top. The Bills also are out there. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, if you didn't buy into Josh Allen earlier this year, hard not to buy into him after watching him play in the postseason. Loved what Josh Allen did this postseason. Loved the way he looks. Uh, he's he's more athletic than I thought, I'll be honest. Um, so the Bills and, and the Chiefs right now are probably the early favorites for most people, whoever wins the AFC. The Rams, I mean, they're they're built to last. You, you see Cooper Cup, you know about Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the defense that they've got. Matt Stafford clearly coming in has helped them out. I, I did feel for Jared Goff. Uh, just a little bit, thinking about what's it like when you're the guy that leaves and all of a sudden you're the team you left wins the title, you get traded, and the team you left wins the title. Are you happy or not? Do you feel good for your old teammates or not? Uh, but Cincinnati's right there in the top five, and again, one of the names that they talk about is Jackson Carmen, and whether or not Carmen can step up and uh, end up winning the left tackle spot. And, you know, when Carmen, or, or really maybe any spot on the offensive line, when, when they drafted Carmen, I know they thought that they were going to be getting a guy that could be a, a surefire go-to starter. And his development, along with the draft, I think will no doubt be a big deal. As for some of the other teams uh, that you might want to keep up with, I, I know a lot of you out there certainly are Arizona Cardinal fans because the Cardinals have former Clemson Tiger wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be coming back off an injury. Also, former Tiger Isaiah Simmons, and there were some conversations out there today about uh, whether or not Kyler Murray was actually happy in Arizona, which... Man, what a shot to that program that would be. But they're currently, according to ESPN, 10th in the power ratings to get, you know, I guess uh, back to the Super Bowl or into the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, if you you want to talk about just gut punch city, if you are a Carolina Panther fan, which I know many of you are, power rankings, 29th. Out of 32 teams coming into next season. And they got a lot of work to do. The offense is not great, and they've arguably got one of the best players in the league uh, at running back in Christian McCaffrey. Further, if you've fallen behind the Houston Texans because of you know your support 
or following of Deshaun Watson through his time at Clemson and now in the NFL and, and whatever's going on with Watson with the 22 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault. Like, 31st. And then Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, former Clemson Tiger. 32nd right now. And uh, we'll see how Doug Peterson does there in Jacksonville, but my goodness. I mean, if you if you are like a Clemson person who's been a Panther fan and you followed Clemson guys into the league, and so you've rooted at times for maybe Houston or even Jacksonville now, those are three of the bottom four teams in the league. I don't know where, I don't know where your best hope is uh, in, in terms of rooting for like a former Tiger to have success. It might, it might actually be T. Higgins, and and what a day he did have to. And it's hard not to imagine. I, I think it's hard not to imagine that the. Cincinnati Bengals, again, if they could shore some things up, that defense was better than I expected last night, too. I mean, that was the other thing, right? That Cincinnati Bengal defense played really well. So it just feels like if they can get that offensive line and and just protect, protect Joe Joe Burrow just for a, a few seconds longer, I mean... It'd make a world of difference because the guy's got a great arm. Got a great arm. But, yeah, I mean, looking at it, if you, and this was my thing, like, if you are a Clemson fan, and, again, it'll change once the draft comes out. I get it. But if you are a Clemson fan and you follow guys in the league and maybe you've kind of fallen for some of those teams or gotten uh, you know, familiar with some of the players, <laughs> three out of the bottom four, Carolina, Houston, and Jacksonville. Ugh, that's painful. With a quick break, final segment on a Monday coming up right after this. Stay with us. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately, and what have you done always, are the same. We win. It is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk Law and Swan with you on a Monday afternoon. Again, Super Bowl in the books. I can't help but think, you know, I, I really knocked on the the Pro Bowl the other day and how I thought it was a waste. And again, I love the idea that I saw on social media about having the bottom two teams in the league play for the first pick in the draft. Like what that okay, so let's just let me just say this. You put that game a week ago, that's awesome. Detroit and Jacksonville, winner gets the first pick. That's awesome. 
But you know what it got me thinking after the Super Bowl ended? Like, almost immediately, I had this, like, ah, oh, football's over. This is when you should have the Pro Bowl. You can have the game for the first pick, right? You could still have that a week prior to the Super Bowl. You could even play it at the Super Bowl venue if you wanted. But, but, this coming Sunday would be the day, in my opinion, to have a Pro Bowl. Because then, if if guys like Joe Burrow or or or, or uh, Cooper Cup or anybody like that wanted to play in it, they could. I mean, this would open it up to everybody. Like that's always kind of been the problem with the Pro Bowl is it's not even open sometimes to the best player in the league. Like how many times would Tom Brady and I don't know how many years he would have played in the Pro Bowl, but how many times in Tom Brady's career? Could he have played in the Pro Bowl had he not been in the Super Bowl? And since it is just a glorified exhibition anyway, wouldn't it be great to have the exhibition after the season instead of prior to the Super Bowl? Like, let that other game mean something. And and, and so I want to back. I want to retract perhaps a, a bit of a statement I made earlier uh, or or last week. I don't necessarily want to get rid of the Pro Bowl per se. I just want to shift when it's played. I just want to shift when it's played. And 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 I will grant you this. I think that if you did it, you'd get more interest from people because the season would have culminated with the Super Bowl and there would be this desire to see some more football. I think more people would actually watch it because when you put it into the buildup of the Super Bowl, I think some people just go, oh, well, it's a waste of a game anyway. But I think if you put it after the Super Bowl, people go, well, you know what? Let's go watch it. It's the downtime. We're not going to have football for a while. I'll check it out. Like last week you were going, well, we'll get to the Super Bowl later. Now, that other game for the first round pick, I think a lot of people would watch. I think a lot of people would watch that. But yeah, I think that's the move you make if you're the NFL. I think that's the move you make. And you know the other thing you could maybe consider maybe that Reese's Senior Bowl maybe put that after. If if the NFL is going to just keep the Pro Bowl, I think that Reese's Senior Bowl might be better served being this coming Saturday too. I mean, wouldn't you, like, I, I didn't watch the Reese's Senior Bowl. I didn't really care. But if there is no more football to come, if there's no more football to come, then you know what? I probably would want to watch it. I It would probably entice me more to tune in. Again, tomorrow, the Clemson Tiger men's basketball team will take on the Florida State Seminoles, Clemson looking to snap a four-game skid at the Donald L. Tucker Center, 7-5 Eastern down in Tallahassee. Tom Worm and Mike Jeminski will be on the call of the G-Man for a regional sports network. 
Don Munson and Tim Bray will broadcast the game on the Clemson Athletic Network. Final couple of text messages here. Clemson Larry hit us up over the weekend, said, Rob Sanders kept mentioning my 55th birthday. All right, Rob. I got I got my people listening. Don't worry. Clemson Larry's keeping 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 me updated. 45th birthday, Rob. 45. Come on. I'm not the double nickel yet. We got 10 more years of the show before we hit that mark. Thank you, Larry. By the way, also some news out of uh, excuse me, I almost said out of Tallahassee, out of Athens, Georgia. Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, who is an absolute stud as a freshman there for the Georgia Bulldogs, will miss spring practice. He was named the Football Writers Association Freshman of the Year, as well as the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year. He scored the Bulldogs' final offensive touchdown in their 33-18 win over Alabama. He has a labrum issue that requires surgery. And he is expected to be back this summer for the dogs. I mean, he is an absolute monster. Love what Georgia's got at tight end. Hope Clemson could get tight end. Clemson hasn't had a tight end uh, really be effective since Jordan Leckett. That's just so hard to believe. Man, we got to get out of here. Look at the clock. I appreciate each and every one of you hanging out with us. Until tomorrow, as always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.